Welcome everybody to the Showgirl Tip of the Day podcast. I'm Michelle Bruckner, and this is a podcast where we talk about show business, old friends, and new adventures. Today, I'm so glad to be here with my friend Liam Nathan Nix. Liam, how are you? Um, I'm okay, thank you. How are you? Good to see you. I'm doing well. I'm happy to be doing this podcast. And Liam, let's talk about how we met. We met when you lived in New York. Sometimes friends move away and you lose track of them, but you and I have stayed connected. Every time you come to New York to visit, you ring me up and we usually go out for a meal or a coffee. Would you please tell our listeners where you live and what your career is? I currently live in Manchester in England. However, I came to AMDA where you teach as a student. And I think that was about 12 years ago now. So it, it has flown by and you were my dance teacher and then became friends. Um, and I'm so, I'm so glad that we have kept in touch over the years as well. And it's always lovely to come and meet you when I'm there. Um, so I came back to England and did musical theatre, got an agent, did auditions and so forth. And then kind of as time went on, I, I grew up and I settled down and then I just got a normal job. <laughs> However, I do miss I do miss it. I have to say that. And I love to sing still. Yeah. And you know what, everyone, just because you don't work in the theater, it doesn't mean that you're not an artist. Mm. You belong to a chorus, don't you? Manchester Gay Men's Chorus. Is that right? Yes. So we, I am part of the LGBTQ plus um, choir here in Manchester. That is my favorite thing to do at the moment. Um, unfortunately, at the moment, due to COVID, it's all very much online. But when we're back up and running, we always do shows. We do the Christmas shows and it is like a little family and there's about 80 of us. So it is really nice to be in a warm environment and sing as well. So that's really good. Do you have a leader of the group? Is there someone who's the director? So we've got a choir director, uh, Dan McGuire, and he has been with us for, I think it's about two and a half years now, before we had a different guy who did that. I've been part of the choir for about three years now, and then I became tenorette, and then I gave that to, I handed that over this year to another fellow tenor who's took my place for this year. It sounds like a lot of fun. Is it once a week that you meet? Yes, it's every Monday. And then when we do Pride season, we've got like performances. We do, there's quite a lot of Prides in England. So we do go, we do travel to them. And then obviously Manchester, we do, that's a whole weekend. So we do a few performances and we do the parade as well. And then at Christmas, we sing at the cathedral in Manchester city centre with all the lights. So it does get pretty busy. Uh, you know, I've never been to Manchester, but hearing you talk about it, all the events that you have posted on social media over the last 10 years, yeah. it sounds like a really lovely place. Is it big? Is it a big city? So it would be probably the second from London. And it has in the last 10 years, I would say, gone really big. And also just in the last three years since I moved back up here from London, sky, the skyscrapers have all gone up. There's so many apartment buildings. 
a big shopping centre now. So it is very much trying to be a London type of city. Um, so it is definitely one to visit if you did come over because it is good. And we do have, obviously, if you're LGBTQ+, we do have, it's called the Gay Village and that's been there for years. And that's um, lots of bars, lots of places where... Um, you can go if you are LGBT and it's safe and it is very welcoming here as well. That sounds really, really cool and really yeah. wonderful. Are your parents in the area? Because I know you're close with them and I know yeah. you're very close with your brother. Are they yeah. in Manchester? So they're just on the outskirts. So they're more um, about 30, 40 minutes drive from the city centre. I remember you getting ready to audition for Chicago and yeah. you came up to me at school and you said, would you teach me the combination for the audition? Of course, I said yes, because how could you say no to you, Liam? So <laughs> I remember we worked on that yeah. and that was a lot of fun. And I know you go to the theater a lot. So, yeah. you know, you could pop back in in a few years. One of the best things about this career is that there is no definite schedule. People can leave. They can come back. They can do something else else for years and then come back. One of my favorite examples of this is if you ever watch the television show, The Golden Girls, yes. the actress who played Sophia was Estelle Getty. And she was a secretary for many years. And then she auditioned and she got cast in Torch Song Trilogy. And that set her career. And then she got cast in The Golden Girls. So she did not even come into any sort of success, if you, you know, whatever success means, until she was over the age of 50. So wow. there's time. I want everyone out there to realize that life mm. is long and you have many parts of your life. Um, you can clearly, anytime you want to go back to audition for a show, you can't. In fact, yes. I think that the older you get, you'll be more castable. Like when you are in your 40s and 50s, I think you'll enter a whole different, all those roles that you could play. Yes, because I I found when I moved back here, I was kind of in the middle. So I do look young. So I'm 33, but I do look young. So it's hard when you're going up against, you know, fresh grads out of stage school. And, you know, I, I was getting, I was going to auditions and I was, you know, 28 and then there was a room full of 20 21 year olds so because of the way I looked and the way and what I've done whereas I think going forward I think I need to kind of go for that older more mature now yeah so start looking at all those shows that have those parts of the dad and the uh, captain and this and that you know you could do mm -hmm. there's so much you could do I can't wait till we get back on stage and the theaters open again no I'm missing it a lot because we had a few I had a few shows booked to go down to London and see. Uh, Sunday in the Park with George was one of them. The transfer from Broadway, um, City, of City of Angels as yeah. well. That was with Vanessa Williams. Um, oh, wow. And then, and then that, that was literally just a few weeks into the lock, the first lockdown. So um, obviously that had to be cancelled. But it's it's interesting to see how much people have kind of gone online and still performing. And I think that's absolutely fantastic um, because it is sad to not see them performing. And if you follow them on social media, a lot of the actors and actresses, you can see how like sad they are not to be on stage especially if they've just opened a show because a few shows had just opened um, and then obviously they closed because Pretty Woman had only been in two weeks previews and then obviously it closed. Yeah. Uh, what's the West End like? 
if you can describe it, because I have a lot of American listeners. So what mm-hmm. is the West End in London? Compare that to Broadway. Like, how would you describe it? So I would say it's more of a mix between, it's not just theatres. So it'll have all the restaurants, but it'll also have all the shops as well. Whereas I feel like Times Square is very theatre-based and then Fifth Ave is the shops. Whereas in the West End, everything's kind of together and the theatres are quite spread out. Whereas Broadway, you can you can go and see a matinee and then go to the evening show because it's down the next block. Whereas the West End, they are quite a lot of them are spread out. Okay. I was in London and I saw one matinee of um, Mackinac Mabel. And then that evening yeah. I saw a little night music, but that was a long time ago. It was a great yeah. weekend of theater. Uh, you know, I haven't been in London. I would say the last time I was there was 2008. So it's been a while. Yes. I saw yeah. Billy Elliot when I was there the last time. And it had been running for five years when I got to see it. Well, so Billy Elliot closed and then they completely revamped the whole theatre. They took everything out. That was Cameron McIntosh who did that. And then Hamilton is, is there now. Wow. So so it closed. And I don't think there was anything running there for over a year while they did that. And then Hamilton took over there. And the theatre is very well done for Hamilton. And it's interesting as well because another theatre which was completely done for the show was Wicked so that used to be Saturday Night Fever played there and Starlight Express so after that closed they they closed the theatre and redid it all and that is all very much for Wicked to be based there. I love it. What's your favourite show? So I always get asked this and I think I'll have to say Wicked as something I know that I will go and see I will feel amazing coming out of it. I know every word I've seen it 32 times um, and I do love it. But then I'm a bit of a Sondheim geek. So Sunday in the Park with George for me, I think. Okay, yeah. yeah. I, I, I love Sondheim too. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's fantastic. Let's change the subject just a bit and talk about mm. fashion because yes. you are a fashionista and I love your fashion. I love how you dress. I love your <laughs> taste in clothing. Let's talk about a lot of performers. You know, clothing is important, but I think you take mm. it to the next level because you know the designers you know the industry did you go to school for a while for fashion no no I never did yes so I was yes because that was the last that was a few years ago basically I got accepted to go to do fashion marketing at school here that was about I think that was 2010 2011 but then we then we had to move away we moved down to London because of my husband at the time uh, his job was going down there and also the funding, I would have had to pay for that myself as well. Um, so it's quite costly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. When, um, but I think that's why we kind of clicked because I remember as a student when you used to come into the dance room with your bag and the little thing what went on the table and you always looked really well presented. And yeah, I think that's why I gravitated towards you. Thank you. I love clothes. (laughs) I love clothes. And my biggest problem right now is I have my daughter has moved away to school. And so Mm -hmm. I've taken over her bedroom and it's become, I'm sitting in it right now. It's become a closet. I have three racks of clothing and two of the racks are coats. So my problem is clearing things out. I love everything I have. A lot of it I procure from charity shops, secondhand, but I just, I don't want to get rid of any of it and I wear it all. So my biggest problem is it's taking over the house a little bit. And my husband (laughs) is not really happy about that. 
I just, you know me, I love to mm. be, um, it's art. It's art that you get to wear. Yes. And you get to express yourself through it. As far as playing a character, if you want an audition, if you're going to audition, the clothes that you wear to the audition can really inform the creative team that you know the character. Yes, you can do the text and the song and the dancing, but if you can capture who the character is by fashion also, it just adds another dimension to it. Yeah, I always, I've always felt that was important. I think all of us, I think, in that year group when we were at AMDA, we all understood that. Because I remember, you know, even if you just put, you could have a really simple outfit, but if you were going for something like Oklahoma, if you put a plaid shirt on, it makes the difference. Or I think, like a funny story, I remember reading an interview with Adina Menzel and she wore all black for that Wicked audition and she had green nails. Now, that was what they they noticed because she'd made that little, you know, that little tweak and for the character. And I think that is important. And I think it's like when I had quite a few auditions and callbacks for Jersey Boys. And when I went to that, I always wore a suit and jacket, like a jacket, a suit jacket with a button up shirt and always did my hair slicked because then they can see like you're trying to form that character. Listeners, Liam's life was moving right along. He had finished school in New York City and was headed back to London to start his musical theatre career. Life often doesn't happen the way we think it will. Happily, he met someone fantastic and they fell in love and eventually married. The next segment is very, very dear to my heart as Liam and I have become close friends over the years and knowing what he has been through, I just admire his courage. And the next part of the conversation took a turn that I never expected. Join me in listening as Liam talks about the next part of his life. So as you have been spending the last couple of years, mm-hmm. um, you've gone through a major life change. And yeah. I, I don't know if you want to talk about that. And if you don't, that is perfectly fine. Um, I think you've been one of the strongest people that I've ever known in my life. And I, um, I know you were married to somebody in the performing arts industry, even though he wasn't a performer. Yeah. Um, it's my understanding he was a radio personality. Yes. So, so basically I came back from America in 2011 and then we got together the following year. So we were together for quite a long time. It's 10 years. It would have been 10 years this year. And we got married in 2015. Uh, So Simon had been doing radio since the age of 16 so he'd always done radio and he so he was a radio DJ and also a DJ in clubs and went on you know went to all different clubs did opened for AXA arenas and then also he worked in Beirut on MTV so he presented the MTV like TRL over there uh, so he did that before I met him and then he went from presenter and then a couple of years ago, uh, he then became director 
of a radio station, which which basically was his dream. So he'd, he'd always been a presenter on air. And then that's when he went and did the directing side. So when I got together with him, he was very, un he understood kind of how the industry worked, how the agent worked, because he had an agent from being on TV, but it really wasn't for him that type of, he didn't really want to do that. He didn't want to be on TV. He didn't want everything documented. He was quite private. So he understood that and he understood me and he understood the drive for me to go to all these auditions for how much I wanted to sing. So it was really nice to have someone who did support that. And really the circumstance of him sadly passing away is the reason why I've kind of gone out of the loop of performing because just even up to when he fell ill, I was still auditioning um, and trying to, you know, still do that. And we were, you know, moving to London, moving just outside on the outskirts of London. So it would have probably been in terms of it probably closer than New Jersey, we were going to be into the centre of London. So it was easier to commute in for auditions. But also if I did get a role, it was easy to get into the show. Absolutely. How did you know him before you met him? Like, did you hear him on the radio? And of course, because he was like a personality, he was yeah. famous, right? Yeah. So growing up, he was, so when I began to go to performing arts college, we called it, so at 16, he was, If we kind of, I didn't know him then personally, but he was, there was billboards with his face on it. He was on the station and on TV, but that's only when looking back, when I actually met him, kind of bumped into him and we got talking. I didn't know he had that career, but it was really funny because when I was going out with my friends at age 18 to the nightclubs, he was the DJ there, but I never, I never spoke to him until in 2011, 2012. So it's weird how our paths had crossed so many times and we, we didn't realise. Yeah. And he definitely is, even today, he's such an important person in your life. And you would definitely say the great love of your life. And I'm so sorry for your loss. Mm. How, has, um, how has the community and your family been so supportive of you and I have never experienced mm. what you have experienced but being your friend I've watched you spend the last few years just being so brave and so strong and I'm sure it's not easy mm. to to carry on you know but um, how do you feel with your family like I, I know you spend time with them and mm. you live in Manchester now so life you went through this huge transition right yeah yeah it was really and it was very unexpected it was like everything had kind of slotted into place so we were moving we both had jobs you know we were going to adopt We'd been married a few years. So everything was kind of going. And then all of a sudden it was like, bam, you know, and it was very quick. It was very quick. And I think really I just kind of went into that mode of you've got to deal with it, you, you know. And also, uh, like I've been told by my family, that's where my acting came in. <laughs> because I think you did have, it was basically fake it and 
around him. So he was in hospital and it was, you know, very poorly because um, he had cancer. Um, obviously, that, the listeners need to know that. Um, and it was very quick um, and it changed everything, his appearance, how he was. And I never said he wasn't going to get better. So I always told him that he was going to be fine. Um, and I went every day for, uh, it was about four months. I went every day and just stayed at the hospital. And that was, you know, it was hard, but I wouldn't have had it any other way. And I, it changed my perception on relationships, really, meeting Simon. And I, and I know I did with him as well, because I was very much, I didn't really want to settle down. I didn't really want to get married. And he was very similar as well. It was, you know, always work. Well, I was very career driven as well. And then for some reason, when it's right, it's right. And it, it just, it just happened. And, and it just kind of clicked in and people said, you're making him better and he's making you better. So better people and better lives. And, and my family, especially they adored him. And because um, he didn't really have any family of his own who really obviously personal circumstances there from when he was younger. But my my mum and dad adored him and he was, you know, part of the whole family. Um, so it it didn't just affect me. It did affect it affect everyone. Yeah. Yeah. You know, love is so big that I really think that when someone passes away, the love just gets bigger, you know, and, and he's not here in the physical world with you, mm. but he's still your partner. You will always carry him with you. And you came to New York after he passed and we, mm. we had a long talk about it. And we talked about you wanted to do things to carry on his memory and his legacy. So we were mm. talking about things that you could do. How how has the last few years, because has it been two years? So we're on three years. Okay. So it's been three years. And I I came to New York in the November when he passed away in the May. So that was the first time I saw you. And really, okay. I don't think, I, really, when I came then with my auntie and uncle, basically that was, I think that was to kind of cover the grief, I think. I don't think it, it hadn't really settled in. But then the time I came last time was February, not last time, the Feb, uh, February. I kind of was a bit more, I think that's where we had that really good chat about, you know, how to keep him alive with everyone. I think really it sometimes it's hard. I'm not going to lie because it is really hard and things will just pop up. I'll remember something or I'll see something or hear a song and it remind me of something you said um, or TV shows we used to watch or things like that. That's quite difficult, but it's, it's so nice because a lot of his friends and acquaintances over the years, he had a following of people and it's so fun when they, they'll have an article, what's come up on their memories on Facebook about Simon and then they'll post it to me. And I love stuff like that, even though it is hard sometimes. It's so nice to know that he was in a lot of people's lives throughout the years. So when things pop up, it makes them remember, makes them think what amazing person he was and what he did. Because he did a lot for for Manchester and for Pride. He always supported Pride. 
and he really did help a lot of LGBT uh, charities as well. So for me, that was something which, you know, that just shows how uh, selfless he was and he used to give so much. And that's what I think I want people to remember as well, how much, how in, in like included in Manchester he was and really, even though he was from Newcastle, which is hours away and at the top, of uh, England he was he was very Manchester and really supported anyone so you wouldn't care where you were from you know what background if you if you were a nice person he would give you the time of day it's wonderful and Mm. you know you've had in your life you've had that wonderful love and you Mm. know not not everybody gets that not everybody gets that true love and how wonderful that you have it yeah it was I think I never really realised until we got married. I think that was when it kind of dawned on me. I, I think how much weird, not just as in a relationship, but it makes you realise the bigger picture. So how many people had, you know, died or been injured just to let me and him get married. That that really affected me. That was, you know, and I really, why I am very in, interested in all the charities for LGBT people uh, you know I do love being in the choir because you see everyone and I think that's something I wanted to since losing Simon be that type of person to know that I'm never going to judge anyone and if you know if it makes you happy you should do it that's that's what I thought yeah I love that and I love how around the world people's people's ideas are changing not everyone's, mm, no. but there are laws changing where you can get married. Here in the United States, we've had some major laws change in the past 10, 15 years, which is fantastic. Mm. Is there anything that you hope to do for the LGBTQ plus community in the future? I would love to change career and to work for one of the charities. I really, I really I'm very interested in it and also uh, passionate about it. And I am just looking for that role to come up. And I really want to be included in that because we do have quite a lot based in Manchester. And also we do have quite a lot for the younger generation as well. That's called the Proud Trust. And that's a really nice place for, you know, I never had anything like that growing up. There was no, there was no, um, there was if you were LGBT growing up in the 90s there really wasn't anything you could do um, I'm, yeah, I'm just glad that I I'm just glad that I had performing arts because that was the best thing I ever did yeah I have to tell you too I grew up in the 80s and um, I know two young men that I grew up with who um, committed suicide because where yeah. I grew up I know that their families would have not accepted you know and so it was a devastating thing. It was about a year apart. And one of them was a quote unquote accident. Right. But yeah. we all knew there was, it was not an accident, but anyway, my point is hopefully now people will not feel like that's what they have to do. Yeah. You know, pe- hopefully people will be loved and accepted and uh, mm-hmm. realize that, you know, they're not alone. They're, they're not going to be uh, kicked out of their house or, Uh, Their family won't turn their backs on them. I just remember in the 80s, it was, um, you know, people who were gay were often bullied. And um, even in the media and film and things like it was made fun of. And 
you know, all, all these things. But anyway, I feel like the more work we can do for love and tolerance and acceptance, mm-hmm. the better this world will be. I mean, we've only just begun, right? Yeah, definitely. And I will say that even if people are listening and their families don't accept them or they have to leave home, you're never going to be alone because there is a family waiting for you to kind of adopt you as theirs. So I I know a lot of people and they don't talk to their families because of that. You know, if they're a bit older, you know, that the their parents' mindset is not, is has not changed. Uh, but they're never alone. They've got lots of friends um, and there's always support. And if people do need to leave the property they are, and if they're listening and they're in England, there is charities that will take over and help. Um, and I'm sure that there is, there is in America as well. Your life has taken all these turns. Mm-hmm. It, it's my opinion, and tell me if I'm wrong, that this, the loss that you suffered has only made your heart bigger for the entire world. Am I right? Yes. I think it's made me realize that it's easier just to be nice. And I know that's quite naive, that a naive statement, because there is people that are not very nice. But I would rather, you know, be that polite person, be nice, be very caring. And hopefully that if that just affects one person, I, I can be happy with that. I love that. And I think that performing arts is a vehicle to, mm. to give love to the world. And I think fashion is a vehicle to give love to yeah. the world because fashion to me is art. It's just like the yeah. performing arts. It's just textile. You know, I love your work with the choir and I'm hoping that you do get a position with one of these organizations. I'm a firm believer that if you put it out into the world, someone hears you and you get an answer. And I think with this podcast, I always wanted to have something that I was in charge of and that that I didn't depend on somebody at the audition saying yes or saying Mm. no. And so what I love about this is it's just my own little place. It's my own little corner. And I invite people to come in and have a glass of wine or a cup of tea and just hang out with me. Yes. And it's been really fun so far. And I, I knew I wanted you as a guest because even though you're across the ocean, I still feel like you're next door. I really yes. do. I feel like you, you live right next door to me. Yeah. And I think that's what a good friend is like I know that when I come over to New York and see you it'll be like that I've not it'll be like I've not seen you just for a day that's that's what I get as well and I do miss New York and I miss I miss school I I do miss going to Amder every day but yeah (laughs) I was just in I I live outside of the city about an hour um, and I was just in the city on Sunday to do a photo shoot for the podcast And I was in Central Park and, you know, Strawberry Fields by 72nd Street, where the big mosaic is for John Lennon. Mm -hmm. Usually you cannot get near it because people have flowers on it and there's a ton of tourists. It was empty. And I posted a picture of me sitting sitting there and not a soul was there. Wow. Yeah, it was really bizarre. And I was out and about in the city all day on Sunday and there were people there, but it was not as crowded as it usually is. So things are, um, there's a lot of stores that have gone out of business and there's a lot of just empty restaurants. 
it it will come back, but it's going to be a while. New York has definitely taken a hit. A lot of people have moved out. A lot of people have moved out just temporary. Like they have gone home to a family, you know, in another state. But um, there's something Central Park did have people because I did the pictures in Central Park and it did have people exercising, which was nice to see. But I'm hoping that we can just start to return to some sort of, I don't want to say normal because what's normal, Mm -hmm. but things are definitely just everyone's laying low right now. Yeah, it's very much that here as well. And I think Manchester and London people are going out of them cities. Okay. Because financially, but also safety as well. Um, Because obviously the transport in London is the tube. So that's underground and, you know, very close. And Manchester, we've got kind of that tram metro system as well. So I think safety is kind of just outside them cities as well. Do you go into work or are you doing work at home? So it's work from home. Yeah. So I've not been back into the office where I work since, since last March when, yeah, when we went into full lockdown. My goodness. Isn't that crazy? I know it was, I think the last time I was in a theater was a year ago. Oh, same, same. Yeah. Yeah, it was a year ago. I went to see Hamilton again. (laughs) And then I went to see also a comedian slash author slash doctor called Adam Kay. And he wrote a book about, it was a journal about his days as a junior doctor. And then he's turned that into a stage show. And it was very, it was really good. Very clever. That sounds good. Very witty. really good. Yeah. So I think that that was the last show I saw. Okay. Do you have any words for any young performer who is just starting out? What kind of advice would you give someone? To always believe in yourself, even when you have them days where you think you, you can't do something, you actually can because everyone can do, you know, if you've done it that long, you know what to do. Also, rejection. Just think that you're always you. There's always going to be someone different to you, and there's always going to be someone better. But if you do your best, you'll get there in the end as well. Great, I love it. Thank you for coming on the Showgirl Tip of the Day podcast. Will you come back again? Yes, of course. Thank Good. you for having me. I would love to have everyone listen and in like you know in a while and see you'll come back and you'll tell us about your new job for one of these. LGBTQ plus charities and you'll fill us in on everything that's going on in Manchester and hopefully by that time yes hopefully by that time everything will be up and running again yes and then I can fly over and see you in person yes after the conversation I had with Liam I literally was blown away I just couldn't believe that someone as lovely as Liam who has been through so much can carry on with such a sense of love in his heart for his community and the work he's now doing with the LGBTQ plus community, I am amazed. And it also sparked in me when we talked about the Trevor Project. I have a friend named Lauren Kosserin who has volunteered for them and it sparked me to give her a call. So the next episode will be a segue on this episode when I talk to Broadway star Lauren Kosserin, who 
is the mom of Kira Kosserin, TV star and music artist, and Lauren's work with The Trevor Project. So tune in next week. I want to thank Liam Nix for his honesty, for opening his heart to us. I literally love doing this podcast because it's making me learn things and it's opening my heart. I hope you enjoy it. Thank you so much for listening. We will see you next week with guest Lauren Kosserin. The Showgirl Tip of the Day podcast has original music composed by Joshua Holloway. Find him on YouTube, Joshua Holloway Music. This podcast is written by Michelle Bruckner and edited by Michelle Bruckner and Joshua Holloway. Find me on Instagram, Showgirl Tip of Day. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again next week with a new episode. Oh,